Jesus plus nothing. 100% natural, no additives. Andrew Farley is celebrating your freedom in Christ. Call in and ask your questions at 877-655-6755. That's toll free at 877-655-6755. Via satellite from Texas, it's The Grace Message with Dr. Andrew Farley. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Grace Message. I'm Andrew Farley. So excited that you're joining us tonight. That number to call, 877-655-6755. Right now, we've got open lines and room for you to jump in and be a part of tonight's conversation. Maybe you've got a question today about a scripture passage. Maybe something that you heard in church didn't sit right with you. You want to talk it over. Or perhaps you were chatting with a friend recently in a Bible study or uh, maybe online and something came up. You want to put it to the test. You want to talk it over. Well, let's make it a conversation right now. 877-655-6755. We do have two open lines at this very moment. So it's a great time to jump in and be a part of tonight's interaction. Uh, Maybe it's a personal problem you've got going on in your marriage with your kids in your church. Uh, Whatever it may be, that's exactly why we're here. We are live, toll-free, across the United States and Canada. Join us right now, 877-655-6755. If you're a first-time caller tonight, we love it. Go for it. We love to hear from our first-time callers. We'd love to hear from you. And if you're a a veteran listener, maybe you've called in the past, uh, but it's been a while, you got something fresh on your heart tonight, go for it. Give us a call right now, 877-655-6755. Well, we're going to start out tonight in Nashville, Tennessee, and we'll talk with uh, Royce. Hey, Royce, what have you got for us tonight? Hey, Andrew, good evening. Uh, I have a question about Luke twenty four forty four, 44, mm-hmm. uh, where Jesus says that these are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things that are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Can you, can you give a couple of examples of what he's speaking about there? Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you got the old Testament filled uh, with all kinds of prophecies about Messiah. So Uh, You look at the suffering servant, for example, the suffering uh, servant, uh, you see that in Isaiah. Uh, You've got all kinds of uh, prophecies in the Old Testament about the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus. So I think uh, that one, you know, you're going to have a lot of answers to it uh, because, uh, you know, and that's the beauty, the strength of the old and the new put together uh, and so, um, you know, you got uh, apologists who are all the time uh, talking about the fulfilled prophecies of Christ um, as as spoken of. I mean, you know, you got uh, you got uh, the idea that uh, uh, he was with a rich man in his death. You've got uh, Isaiah talking about he was pierced through for our transgressions. Uh, you've got all kinds of indications uh, concerning, you know, where he was born and the life that he lived and the death that he died. Uh, so, you know, here's here's a few more examples. Uh, in Micah chapter 5, we see 
the uh, the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. So in Micah 5, it's prophesied that he would be born there. Uh, this prophecy is fulfilled, obviously, as recorded in Matthew chapter 2. Uh, then we have Jesus being born of a virgin. Well, you look in Isaiah chapter 7, and it was prophesied that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. So, I mean, this is just part of the strength of the Scripture. we got hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years, spanning great spans of time, and uh, yet these prophecies are fulfilled in very exact ways. Uh, we have Second Samuel, uh, where we see that Jesus is a descendant of David. Uh, the Messiah is prophesied to be coming from the tribe of David, the tribe of Judah, and uh, this lineage, uh, you see it confirmed in, in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, then you see uh, the Messiah is going to be betrayed uh, for 30 pieces of silver. Well, in Zechariah 11, uh, you see this prophesied about. So, uh, you know, that's just a few more examples uh, in addition to the ones I I mentioned up front, uh, some of the ones about, you know, the suffering servant and his death and his burial with the rich man. Uh, so uh, there's a lot there. There's probably, you know, dozens of answers to that question. Uh, but I hope that kind of whets your appetite to dig a little deeper. And uh, that's that's part of, again, the strength of the Christian message is that the New Testament is built upon a foundation of Old Testament prophecy about Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus, and then the New Testament reveals Jesus. And all of this is spanning over hundreds and thousands of years as multiple authors have made these prophecies uh, that are obviously fulfilled in Christ. So, Thanks for your question, Royce. I hope that helps, and uh, reach out to us again anytime. Well, let's go uh, now to Tennessee again. This time, not maybe not in Nashville. We don't know, but we'll talk with Steve wherever he is down south. Hey, Steve, what have you got for us? Hey, Dr. Farley. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you so much. You have helped me immensely. Uh, I've really struggled with uh some a very harsh internal critic and when i heard you talk about being a new creation in christ just ah bitterness anger mm. all kinds of stuff just disappeared and and i feel so joyful now and i just you're part of that so i wanted to say thank you for that oh awesome that's great to hear thanks okay my question yeah. is uh you a couple of pastors i've heard them talk about at the fall in genesis 3 mm -hmm. when Adam sinned, his spirit, uh, some said it it uh, was separated from him, from God, and others say it died. I'm looking, so did it die? And when we accept Christ, well, as unbelievers, we, so we don't have a, a living spirit in us, is, is my understanding. And then when we accept Christ, we get the Holy Spirit. Is, is, I want to make see that that's yes, correct. And yes, I hear you. Okay, it, it can be confusing, but we're going to make it really simple. So uh, definitely, you know, Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, the warning is that in the day you eat of this, you will surely die. 
So God has already laid out the consequences uh, if Adam and Eve choose this, and of course they do choose it. And uh, so what you're seeing is that they die spiritually. So it's not just a separation. It is a death. It is a death to God. So we got two different conditions. A person can be dead to God or they can be alive to God. Now, the opposite of that is that a person can be dead to sin or alive to sin. So let's think about those opposites. You're either dead to God or alive to God. You're dead to sin or alive to sin. So let's describe the unbeliever. The unbeliever is dead to God and alive to sin. So why am I stressing both of those? Because there is something that they are alive to. After those first humans died spiritually, they died to God, but they were alive to sin. So we need to understand these terms, dead and alive, as being connected or disconnected from something. So when you're dead to God, you're disconnected from God. When you're alive to God, you're reconnected to him through salvation. Uh, When you're alive to sin, you are a slave to sin. You're connected to it. When you get saved, you die to sin, and you are disconnected from it so that it doesn't control you. So another way to look at it is you might think of an electrical outlet and a plug. So we started out, well, Adam and Eve did, the original humans, they started out plugged in to God. They were alive to God. But at uh, the first sin, well, of course, they were unplugged. And then they were plugged into sin. So they became alive to sin, dead to God, but plugged in to sin. Now, you know, thousands of years later, here we are as believers. We've heard the gospel. We've believed it. What happened to us at salvation? Well, we got unplugged, unplugged from sin and plugged into God. Now we are dead to sin and alive to Jesus. So uh, the electrical plug analogy may help you because we're not just talking about being dead and being alive. There's a preposition in there. We are dead to something. We are dead to sin or we are dead to God. We are alive to sin or we are alive to God. So I hope that helps because then remember that at salvation there is a part of us that dies and is destroyed and is replaced. So let's talk about that. Uh, I'm an unbeliever, let's say, all right? So I'm an unbeliever. I'm 20 years old. I've just been cruising along in life. I've tried to be a good person. You know, I'm moral and ethical, and I try to be nice to everybody and be loving and be good. And I've got a good vocabulary. I, you know, I've learned to be tolerant, and I'm a friendly guy. All right, but I'm still dead to God. My spirit is alive, but only to sin. It is alive to sin. So now I hear the gospel and I get saved. What happens to me? Well, my old self is crucified with Christ and destroyed. It is buried and gone, and it is replaced with a new self. So how would you describe my old self? My old self was alive to sin, 
my old self was dead to God, but alive to sin. Maybe, you know, I loved uh, uh, something like New Age, and I loved spirituality, and I loved religiosity, because, you know, I still was alive to the enemy. I was alive to the spiritual world, but I wasn't really alive to God. So my spirit craved things, but I was not connected to Christ. So then I hear the gospel, my old self dies with him, and I become a new creation. Now, how can you describe the new creation or the new self? You would say, I'm dead to sin and alive to God now. So it's almost like positive and negative on a battery, right? You got the positive side and the negative side. You talk about a charge, a negative charge, and a positive charge. That's kind of the best way to think about this. So I'll put you back on and see. Well, yeah, there you are, Steve. Uh, does that help make sense yeah. of it? Oh, yeah. that's that. It, it's basically what I thought, maybe a little subtle difference, but it's uh, uh, that preposition, too, yeah. uh, adds a little degree of difference. But it's essentially what I thought. Uh, yeah. So a lot of Christians, though, Steve, I'll say, a lot of Christians think, well, when I get saved— I get the Holy Spirit, and that's it. Uh, you know, it's like I'm same old me, but now I got the Holy Spirit to help me. And that's a very immature or incomplete view of salvation. It's not just that you get the Holy Spirit. You get a new human spirit. You get a new self. You get a new heart. You get a new set of desires. And it sounds to me like you already know that, but I'm just remarking that many, many Christians that I've talked to over the last few decades, uh, they're surprised to learn that there's a new part of them uh, that is not Jesus. Jesus did it to them, but it's a new part of them that is actually them. They have a new human spirit and a new heart and a new nature uh, and a new set of desires, and they are a new creation. Jesus is not the new creation. You are. Jesus is Jesus. He doesn't need to be new. So Jesus makes you new, and then he joins himself to you. And this is kind of the big news flash for a lot of Christians these days. Uh, it seems like we're getting a very fluffy, light version of the gospel, and our understanding of what happened at salvation is very limited. So uh, part of what we love doing here at the Grace Message is helping Christians realize that they themselves are different now, that they are new, that you don't really want to sin. So here's some symptoms you, you can tell when someone doesn't understand that they're new. Uh, if someone is on stage uh, Sunday morning and they're telling the crowd that the crowd has a wicked heart, you know, you have a wicked heart or a deceitfully wicked heart, quoting the Old Testament. Well, that shows you this person doesn't realize that we Christians have been made new, not just that we've received Jesus, but we ourselves have a new heart, not a wicked heart. Uh, then someone says, now you need to prepare your heart for worship or prepare your heart for Christmas. Or right now you're probably hearing, prepare your heart for Easter. Well, while that's an interesting expression, the truth is you don't need to prepare your heart for anything. 
uh, because God has already given you a new heart, and your new heart is plenty prepared. <laughs> so uh, we got a lot of lingo in Christianese today. We got a lot of language in the Bible Belt today that basically ignores what has happened to the believer. Uh, so part of what we love sharing here at the Grace Message is helping believers understand they have that new heart, those new desires. So if a Christian thinks that they want to sin, then they really don't know themselves. Uh, because I can tell you I don't want to sin, and every time I do sin, I hate it. Every time I sin, my heart cries out uh, because I long to do better. I long to do differently. And the reason is God has made me that way. At salvation, I was born again and born of the Spirit, and I was given a new nature and a new heart. So now when I'm deceived and tricked and I think that sin is going to fulfill me, well, then I choose it, and next thing you know, uh, I'm unhappy, I'm unfulfilled, I'm miserable, a miserable man that I am. So uh, we're, we're helping Christians see this radical truth, and here it is. You don't really want to sin. Look at you. You're a slave of righteousness. Let those three words sink in. I cannot tell you how important those words are. And I won't even attempt to explain or drive it home further, but just hear me. You are a slave of righteousness. Now think about the depths of that. That's what God says about you. So it means you can't get away from righteousness. It means you're only fulfilled by righteousness. It means that you're the righteousness of God. It means that you're addicted to Jesus and you're addicted to righteousness it has to do with your nature, and you are radically different now, and sin will never satisfy. You are dead to sin and alive to God. Thanks, Steve, for your question. Great topic. Call us back anytime. All right, well, we're running out of time. We've got time for a couple more. Uh, we've got a... How about uh, we'll go out to Tennessee, and we'll talk with... Uh, is it Danny, I believe? Hey, Danny. Hi, Andrew. Hi. I am calling. Hi. I am I am dealing with a conflict, uh -huh. and I want to hear your heart. I want to hear your insight mm -hmm. about my desire, um, you know, pertaining to, like, a personal relationship that I have, a loved one, and I desire, you know, to have, you know, a deep connection with this person and spiritually, emotionally, you know, and um, sometimes... When I pursue that, I get rejected. And so it's very painful for me. And so I just kind of want to hear, you know, if the Lord has any wisdom for me through you, just how and to bear that. Can I um, ask you, are you talking about a spouse or some, some other relationship? Well, I wanted to keep the identity private to protect okay. this person. But, yes, okay. somebody, pers very, very close personal relationship okay. to me. All right. Well, the reason I ask that is because there's a world of difference uh, for my answer if we're talking about a husband uh, versus a brother or a mother or something like that. So uh, let's assume that it is your husband, So, uh, or I'll just run with that possibility. So, um, you know, it's it's a tricky situation. Uh, you, you get married, and you 
you want uh, to have the dream life. And the dream life is not only are you happy together on the outside, but you're connecting on the most important things. You're, you're connecting uh, spiritually concerning the Lord, and you're doing Bible study together, and you're praying together, and um, you're, you're, just, you're just one spiritually, and you just love it. Now, here's the problem, is when the wife very much wants that, and the husband interprets that desire, perhaps even wrongly, he looks at it and he says, well, my wife is asking me to step up. My wife is asking me to be the spiritual leader. My wife is asking me to do more and be more for her spiritually. And so he interprets that as rejection. Uh, and so if some of that is what is happening, uh, then my my advice to you would be to just be in a holding pattern and pray for him and give thanks to God for what you understand and what you enjoy of the Lord and accept your husband, embrace where he's at, and don't seek to try to change him because he will interpret that as rejection. Uh, and what I mean by that is you will come across, whether you mean to or not, you will come across as more mature spiritually, superior to him. Uh, he will take it as, you know, my wife has a bunch of Bible knowledge and I don't, or uh, my wife thinks she has a bunch of Bible knowledge that I don't have, and she keeps asking me to step up. Uh, but the reality is uh, he may be, he may be uh, hesitant because he's embarrassed, uh, of uh, his inability to talk about certain topics that he's not educated on. Uh, he may be hesitant for other reasons. Uh, you know, maybe there's some background of feeling ashamed about this, that, or the other, and he doesn't want to uh, confront certain things. Or it just could be uh, this general interpretation of moves that you're making uh, as being a rejection of where he's currently at. So uh, godly wisdom says we're going to put on love, we're going to put on patience, we're going to pray for him, we're going to enjoy where we're at spiritually, we're going to give thanks to the Lord. The number one thing that your husband uh or anybody close to you, for that matter. You know, it doesn't matter the relationship. The number one thing they need to sense from you is that uh, you love them and that you accept them and that you are pleased with them and that you're not seeking to fix them or change them. Um, if you can convey that and be thankful in your heart for that relationship, uh, that's noticeable. That's noticeable. And so your husband or whomever, whether, I mean, this could be a child, it could be a mother, a parent, it could be a sister that you've gotten close to, but whoever we're talking about, I think you know, the bottom line there is really acceptance. And so that's the, the attribute of, of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit, that we would want to convey in this situation, because then the fragrant aroma of Christ is happening uh, that is noticeable, 
uh, and it's only going to backfire if you try to push somebody into being somewhere that they're not. Uh, so um, I hope that helps, uh, and uh, acceptance goes a long way. It is rare uh, to see that in a marriage. It's rare to see that in the church, uh, in our culture. So the fragrant aroma of Christ uh, is very noticeable. <laughs> it sticks out. So fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus there. Give thanks in your heart for your husband, your, your family, your relatives, and enjoy the relationship with them. I hope that encourages you tonight, Danny. Reach out to us again anytime. Great to hear from you. We are The Grace Message. I'm Andrew Farley. If you want to dive a little deeper and find out more about us, go to andrewfarley.org. For more information on the broadcast ministry of Dr. Andrew Farley, please visit andrewfarley.org. That's andrewfarley.org. Join us next time as we invite you to celebrate The Grace Message with Dr. Andrew Farley. This program is sponsored by your generous financial support.